Yo. Yo. I got the green machine. You're going to rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming, jamming to the No, floor. I have never seen a turtle get down. Motherfucker, you interrupted me. <laughs> wow. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So we got our 90s episode. 90s. You ready for the 90s? Yep. Dude, the 90s, man. What do you have to say about the 90s? There is a handful of really good movies, but then there is a lot of really bad ones. Power was dope, I would say. Um, Ninja shit was dope. There's a lot of cheesy stuff. Street Fighter, bud. Street Fighter was a funny-ass movie. That's one of those that's so bad it's good kind of movies. Uh, All right, so you ready to do this quiz, bud? I'm going to go, Dan. I'm going to go and kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is going to feel it. Now, do you want to go home or do you want to go with me? (laughs) Oh, I love him, dude. He's awesome. That was a classic movie. That's a classic line by John Claude. And you've lost your balls. (laughs) All right. So, you ready for this questionnaire, bud? Oh, yes. Oh, by the way, we got to submit ourselves to the uh, Midnight's approval. Uh, this is uh, Shooting the Biff. I'm Wizzo. I'm Jay. Party on. And this is our 90s nostalgia episode. And some of, the, some of these questions might be a little shitty, um, but it's something we all went through and kind of one of those things where you like, I knew where I was when I heard this happening. All right, so the first one. What, was, what car was in his infamous... Ninety car chase. So, so what, it was a Bronco. It was a Bronco. white Bronco. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's. Well, I don't know if this thing shows me answers. I don't know how I would remember. Yeah. It was a. Yep. It was a 1993 Ford Bronco SUV. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. What's the next one here? What was the name of the series that preceded Saved by the Bell? You mean... Wait. Pre? So that means before. Yeah. I don't know, man. I have no idea. I don't remember any show. Maybe the Wonder Years. All right, let's see what it was. Uh, Good morning, Miss Bliss. Hmm. I never even heard of that show. Okay, no, yeah, I never. I actually don't remember that show. But she actually, Miss Bliss, was the name of the teacher that everybody loved in Saved by the Bell. She's the teacher that all of us kids really wish that we had a teacher like her. Pretty, nice, funny. Yeah. All right, which movie became the first? This is a, a, a movie I should probably be the one that guesses, right? Uh, which movie became the first to gross $1 billion at the box office in 1998? 1998. 1998. That's, a, that's either Saving Private Ryan or Titanic. That's uh, uh, 1998, right? I think so. Pretty sure. 1998. Yeah. Those were like the two biggest movies at that time. I can't think of anything else. Uh, One of the Batman movies was in 1980. Forrest Gump was like 95, right? It was like mid-90s. 
think so. Yeah. I'm either going to go with Titanic or uh, I'm going to go with which one? Um, wait, what? It said 1990. It said it said 1998. Yep. I'm going to go with one of the Batman movies. Oh no, that's no. Because <laughs> no. they some of them did gross that. Some of them grossed it. All right, I, I think it would have been. Batman Forever, I think. Let's see here. Here's here's the answer for 1998. The answer is Titanic. Oh, okay, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. Yep. Um, let's see here. Not a big Leonardo DiCaprio person. Not a big not a big fan of him, but. Uh, these so far, I'm, I'm skimming through some questions here, and they're all. Stupid. And he's yeah. He's just uh, he's been in a lot of. In fact, actually, I actually here's a little here's a little quiz for you while you're doing that. What movie did he play in that kind of boosted his career? That started his real big career. I would. It would have to be Titanic. Nope. Well, I mean, is this a definitive answer? Just your opinion, man. Well. I, and the first one of the first movies that he I saw him play in, he was a little boy. And oh, that's, he was what, in, the Gilbert Grape? Yes. What was eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah. He played the little handicapped kid. Yep. That was I think that was the starting of his. That was the real starting of his career. He got really, really, he was really, really good in that movie. I think it showed his acting chops, but um, I don't really, really hit, like, high ground. It had to have been Titanic, man. I mean, that movie was a huge blockbuster. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. was it didn't give great was what? It was, what, 90s? Early 90s? Oh. Yeah. Well, there was, it was one of those movies where, like, you it must have been, or it must have been in the late 80s, because, bro, bro. Movies like Jurassic Park and Titanic and Terminator 2, you go and see them in the theater. That's how it was in the 90s. Whereas there's other movies like um, um, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind or, you know, like uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, you kind of find them out later in life when one of your friends is like, hey, have you ever seen this movie? It's pretty rad. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Titanic yeah. is like, I saw that in the theater. I, you know, I... I saw Jurassic Park twice in the theater. Like, you know, like, it's just, you, those are the movies, like, you go to the movies for. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, and, like, the Batman series is awesome. Like, the original Batman movie was, like, one you wanted to see in the movie theaters. Um, I remember seeing, I saw Batman Begins with you in Vegas. Yeah, well, I'm talking about Batman. You remember that? With, yeah. Yeah. That was, like, 2002. Yeah. I, I'm talking about the one with Michael Keaton and um, and Jack Nicholson. Did that you, was the first really movie. Well movie. Huh? The 1988 one, the first one? Yes, yes. Did you see that in the theater? I think so. Yes, I did. I saw that one in that's the theater. Cool. That I was a really good. But then, but then you got movies like E.T. I saw that in the movie theater. I was only five or six oh, years so, old. So cool, man. That's so and cool. And that was a, such a great movie. I think it was better in the movie theater than it was it is at home because of the fact it's a different kind of environment and because it's got surround sound and it's 
the screen is huge and it's 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 just a it's a great movie. All right, let's move on. Yeah, no, I agree. It totally is. Um, all right. Uh, what Saturday Night Live star got his start on the 90s sketch comedy show, All That? Oh, that's the dude from, like, um, Mighty Ducks, the second one, and the third one. Not Goldberg, but the other dude, the other chubby guy. Sorry. That's insensitive. Keaton and Kel. Kel and Keaton. Michael Keaton and Kel. Are you talking about Keaton? No, no. It's Keenan Thompson. That's what it is. Keenan Thompson? Yeah, yeah. He's the guy with the knuckle puck, man. I feel like an asshole for just saying those things I just said. All right. Well, is that that right? What? What, The answer you said. Yeah, yeah, it was. All right, so my computer is freezing here. Well, Keenan also, I believe he also played in an episode of iCarly and 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 Victoria when they did the the combine. He was in it that one. He was in the one episode. All right, so why this thing is loading? This this song, bitch. Um, if you could only take three '90s movies with you for one year on that island, what three movies would you take? It has to be from the 90s. Jurassic Park's going to be in there for me just because I love hanging out with it and Nick and watch it a million times over and over again. After Goonies that, was 90s, right? I believe. Well, what was? Goonies. No, Goonies was 80s. Was it? It was 80s? Yeah. I think it was 89. Yeah. I think. Pretty, I'm pretty damn sure it's 80s. I have the poster on my wall right here, but I do, it's too dark in here to really see it. I'm pretty sure it's 80s, but I'll check, though. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, Man, Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, Goonies was 1985. Yeah, 1985, yeah. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was... That was 87? Was it? God, why am I... I know for sure it's 80. Um, yeah, Jurassic Park, Pulp Fiction, and... Man. Tremors, Outbreak, and Home Alone. Uh... I love Tremors. Tremors is a great movie. It's, it's super cool. It's fun. But there was also Hocus Pocus was on, in on that list as well. Oh, Green Mile was 90s. Yeah, yeah, that's a great pick. That's, that's a great movie. Sleepy yeah. Hollow was also 90s, and so was Twister. Yeah, but I, I can I can do without seeing those a lot. I definitely could watch Green Mile over and over again for sure. Yeah, I could watch Green Mile. And Quitney Down Under was also 90s, which was really good. Yeah. Tom Selleck was really good in that movie. Um, what year was Frosty? Oh, oh, The Professional was also 90s. 
Yeah, it was. I think that was '94. That was that. That was a great movie. My cousin Vinny was also '90s. <laughs> Few Good Men was also '90s. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> I love. I love. Point Blank was also '90s. It's another really good movie. Halloween Town, Sleepless in Seattle. These are all great freaking movies. The Little Rascals. Dude, there were so many good movies in the 90s. 90 to to 2000, there were so many good... Well, I'll take that back. 90 to 99, there were so many great movies. There was just just a ton of movies. It's just... It's just... It's just crazy. It it was also in it was also in the nineties. All right, one second here, buddy. Did you like that movie? Um, which one? Um, I see these questions here, but that's why. It the the nineteen ninety version of it. I liked the kids um, episode, but when they were adults, it was like whatever. Yeah, well, they used in the in the 1990 version. There was um, one of the characters was uh, John Ritter was one of the characters. All right, you ready for some questions? Yep. All right, which 80s star is recognized by a Guinness Book of World Records? as the best-selling female recording artist of all time? Oof. Oh, man. I don't know. Madonna? Uh, maybe... It, it, I would... Yeah, I, I, yeah, other share Madonna. I would say Madonna because she was really popular in the 80s and 90s. All right, the answer is Madonna. <laughs> Yeah, who encouraged, who encouraged the world to get down on it, in quotes, in 1981? Get down on it. What is that song? I feel like I know that song. Oh, this is, I, I'm going to be embarrassed when I find out what this actually is, because I didn't know it. Uh, get down on it. I, I don't know. I don't remember who was the one that told me to get down on it. <laughs> All right, so this song. Damn screen. All right, it's uh, Cool in the Gang. That's two. I should have known that. I should have known that, too. All right, Depeche Mode had their first major U.S. hit in 1981 with which song? Uh, I don't know. Oh, so it's it's the, Depeche Mode. Is it All I Ever Wanted, All I Ever Needed, Here in My Arms? Is it that song? Yes. All right, let's, I have listen to that song. It's uh, just can't get enough. Of course, we fucked that one up. All right, yeah. Who claimed that I'm still standing in 1983? I have no Michael idea. Michael Jackson. Is that your final answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. It's gonna be wrong, but that it's Elton John. All right, oh. David, David Bowie appeared in what cult film in 1986? Oh, this is easy. It's Labyrinth. 
I don't know. I haven't seen it. Him and his his genitals were were, uh, (laughs) displayed. um, Yeah. They were uh, all over the screen. All right. Walk so wait a like second. A... Well, you got to see his genitals too? Dang. No, no, dude. He was just wearing white tights, and you could just see his bulge. Oh. It's, it's just distracting. It looks like he's wearing a cup. I'm just like, dude, man, put your wiener away. Come on, man. Like, just put something on, like a, even a dress, anything, man. Come on, I want to look at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Huey from Huey Lewis in the News played which instrument? Guitar. I don't. I thought he just sang. I'm gonna say guitar. I, I don't know. Maybe harmonica? Did, was there? There's harmonica in some of their songs. Yeah, dude. If this is it, yeah, I'm gonna go with harmonica. Let's see. Harmonica. Bam. Bam. Mic drop. On that one, bud. Yeah, shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, what in what eighties year did Queen inform everyone that another one bitten the dust? So another one bites the dust. The year came out. What year did that come out? That came out eighty. Uh, All right. So he died in ninety three. <laughs> He did Live Aid in 80, in 80, I think it was 87, 86, 87, maybe 88. Okay. Um, I would say 82 or 83. I'm a Queens fan, and I should know this crap. And he's yeah, not I, the one. Huh? I, am, I am too, and I should know this too. One of my favorite singers of all time. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see what it is. 1980. That's crazy. 80. Wow. I was off. Yeah, so was I. I was thinking more like 85. All right, so Michael Jackson debuted uh, debuted his trademark uh, moonwalk during which song in uh, 1983? Moonwalk. All right, so 1983, that would have been, that would have been, and, well, and, off, the, off the Wall came out in in 78. I'm going with Billie Jean. So that would have had to been, it, no, it would have been Smooth Criminal. Because, because, Smooth, because that album came out, that was the, that was the Thriller album in 83. And, and, uh. And and smooth criminal. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I, I'm saying smooth criminal because that was during the that was doing the um, thriller album. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, let's see what it is. It is. Billy Jean, oh, mic drop again. I'm on a roll, buddy. I'm on. The I hate you. But I, I was right on the. I was right on the album, though. That's a thriller album. All right, which? Uh, no, I don't want to do that. Let's see here. Which which female singer won a Grammy for Best New Artist from 1985? 
I mean, that, like, that's kind of screams Madonna. I'm going to say Madonna, but it could be Cindy Lauper. All right. Cindy well, Lauper was really big that time, too. All right, let's see here. We are at Cindy Lauper. You, you, you nailed it, bud. Nailed it. I don't know. I don't know how I knew that, but Cindy Lauper did a lot, and she did the she did her she did the Goonies song in the Goonies in what yeah, 80, 85. Uh, yeah, they yeah they had a movie music video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the funny thing was, is that at that time she was actually a manager in the WWE, and she oh, went. And she, the the people that were in her that music video were actually that was Roddy Roddy Piper and um, the Iron Sheep and a couple of the other wrestlers. She became very good friends with all of them. There's a little history. I didn't bet you didn't know that though that she was a manager in WWE for a while. It was WWF at the time. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. Yep. All right. Well, all right. So next one. Uh, which tool themed MC won best rap video and best dance video at the 1990 MTV Musical Video Awards? Oh, I'm gonna say. Well, wait. What? What? Tool, what artist? Tool themed MC. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I, I, I guess, guess I just throw it out there. MC Hammer. You're probably right. MC, like, yeah, rappers, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But it's just weird as they phrase it that way. All right, let's see what it is. Yeah. MC Hammer, you got it, bud. Yeah. Was a big MC Hammer fan. Can't touch that. Can't touch this. And, uh, and too legit to quit. Adam's Family, the Adam Family theme song, or the Adam's Family song. Yeah, he did a lot in his career. All right, let's see here. Sean Jones' clothing was the the last adventure of the 19th icon launched in 1998. Sean's clothing was was the fashion venture of which 90s icon launched in 1998? I have no idea. I've never even heard of this crap. George Clooney, but I know I'm wrong. It is P. Diddy. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have gotten that one anyways. I was going. I was just throwing a name out there because I didn't know. It took Mariah. This, this is now because I'm a huge Mariah Carey fan. It took Mariah Carey for to write which holiday hit in 1990. All I want for Christmas is you. That that's fucking terrible. Song. Yeah, all I want for Christmas is... I hate that song. I love Mariah Carey. She's my favorite singer of all time. Like, no, like, I'm not even... I'm not even ashamed to admit it. She's badass. But I hate that song. That song's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's crazy is I get three million bucks every December for royalties for that song. That's how much it gets played. Three million dollars? Damn. Three million bucks every December. I'll take that. Three, I'll take that three million dollars every once a year. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I heard I, that. Three million dollars, dude. I would. I wouldn't be rich, but I would. I would live very comfortably for the whole entire year and wait for that big paycheck in December. 
Yeah, I'm trying to live off three dollars. Yeah, gee. <laughs> All right, let's let's keep on here. Um, oh boy, uh, Eminem released his album named after himself in 2000. What was it called? Uh, it wasn't Slim Shady, was it? Mark Might have been. It could have been Marshall. Yeah, I think it was Marshall Mathers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. And, yep, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of songs about his daughter in that. In that, um, I love Eminem. I do, too. He's very talented for, for being just a white boy. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because even as a white boy, he, he makes some of these these rap, these black rappers go, oh my god, that's a white guy doing it. He does it almost as good as I do, or he does it better than I do. It's like crazy, man. He's he's freaking. He's got he's got some talent. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, let's see here. So team this up. All right. Um, how did how did your family come to live here? Uh, your family came from Canada and moved out here, and that's about that. It's not very that interesting at all. Uh, uh I'll give a little bit more insight because I think I know a little bit more. Um, our family came from Canada, and then went back to Canada, and then ended up coming back to the United States to pick potatoes in the north in the north. <laughs> it's actually been it's it's um it's that that's our ancestry. And but oh, our ancestry actually has George Washington well, as it on it. So we are related to George Washington. That's funny. That's interesting. Yes. But we but we yeah our family picked potatoes. It's in the north. In fact, North Dakota or up, up, up there. Do you know when we moved back to Saskatchewan? Because that's where he originally came. I, I don't know the whole – I don't know all of it. I just know that they they went from Saskatchewan to the United States, and then they went back, and then they, they came back to the United States, and they, they settled here, and they were they were picking potatoes. Here, I think it was in – I think it was in North Dakota. But then our family ended up in California. Um, uh, I, I don't know when, but our, our we have a lot of family all throughout the United States. So, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. We're going to move on here to the next one. Our friends. Uh, who were your childhood heroes? Um, My father. Yeah, I would say, for me, that's my gramps, the listeners out there. Yeah, he's Pops is my gramps. Yeah, he was a he was a he was a guy who would give the shirt off of his back just to help you because that's the kind of guy he was. He was I've, very cool. I've done a lot of things professionally in my life as an artist, and um, I've won awards, and not a big deal. But um, when I get compared to my grandpa from someone that knew him 
um, that's like the best award I could ever like explain. Like I, like that's the biggest award, you know, to be compared to him like that is like, you know. Yeah, he was he was an awesome dude. Um, you ever mention in a newspaper? Yeah, actually, I've I've done a lot of artwork for newspapers, but I might uh, personally. That I hope not. I, I don't think I have. Mando streaking while wearing. <laughs> yeah, that would have been me. That that definitely would have been <laughs> ugly white hairy white man running through Central Park completely naked. Yeah, there's everybody. Yeah, yeah. Everybody commits suicide after seeing it. It's <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, that would be that'd be ter- really terrible. That's just terrible. <laughs> All right. Um, how is the world today different from what it was like when you were a child? I mean, come on, we have smartphones in our pockets and COVID. So, and Trump is a president. I mean, it's totally different. But I'm going to say this. People now are not as kind as they were then. Well, I think people are stressed, man. It's hard to be isolated. But even before that, even before the COVID, people are not as nice than than they were back in the day. I mean, I, I, well, I think it kind of depends, though, like where you're at. Well, I'll give an example. I used to live in a house, and my mom and dad, it was a Thanksgiving day, and there was a neighbor that that knew me since I was a little boy. But I mean, but he he but he was a cop, and he knew I had nothing for Thanksgiving, and he actually took time, made a plate for me from his own family get together, and brought me a plate of Thanksgiving dinner. He was that kind of. He was he was. They were good. He he was just that's just kind of that's just kind of person that that he was, man. And I think there was a lot of those kind of people back then. But then we had this crazy people like Richard Ramirez running around Los Angeles and killing people. So I mean, we we have it was all different. It was different. There's a lot of difference then and now. I mean, but yeah, I remember that. I remember, I remember Richard Ramirez. Yeah. I remember my mom telling me that it's not like safe right now, and because like somebody was like murdered really close by to where I was living at. I don't know if it was from him or not. I was thought it was from him, but I remember her like double checking the windows, making sure everything's locked. Like, yeah, yeah, my mother did the exact same thing. We checked every freaking door. We locked. We made sure every door was locked. It was yeah. that was a stressful time, but I think I think it's gotten more stressful. Oh, I definitely think so for sure. But the the, the technology's gotten. I mean, back then the computers were like they were like dinky. Now well, it's so what, powerful now that you can. Well, like on one hand, I I I like how we grew up in these and we kind of had. The high-end computers, or a lot of other people did, um, and we can play like Duke Nukem over the land and shit like that. Um, but if it was 
there was a pandemic going on in the nineties, it would be way more annoying because like how fast we're so on the internet right now, like. And yeah, because the internet wasn't our phones are better was, than we had in the nineties. Yeah, and the internet was is a lot faster now than it was then too. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was dial-up. Remember the America Online? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of difference. I mean, and the, even the movies were different than they are now. Yeah. I think they had more quality movies then than they do now. I mean, not all of the movies, but there was a lot of more quality movies back then than there is now. A lot of it's just recycled. I, you're, you're opening a whole can of I mean, yeah, like super movies are like all recycled for sure, but like movies like Arrival or Enemy or you know yeah like, yeah well there's movies that they never redid and they never they never tried to redo them. The '90s wasn't that great of a decade for movies. It had a lot of awesome movies in it, like Pulp Fiction and shit like that. But it overall it was kind of cheesy. And there was a lot of, like, after Pulp Fiction, I think, like, movies like Go or, like, Boondock Saints kind of just ripped off Tarantino, you know? Like, they're not bad movies, but they're not good either. They totally rip off. And I don't care what Troy Duffy says. That guy's a... Yeah, well, you know. It, this is just my opinion, people. So, I mean... This is my... Yeah. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so who's your who's your uh, Stanley Cup favorite for the 2021 season, or actually just 21? I would have to say Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, me too. And not just because I'm a huge Avs fan, because their team is stacked. I think they're going to go all the way, and I think they're going to do really well. And I think I don't think there's any team that can really touch them except for maybe except for Vegas. I think Vegas. I think Vegas is. I think Vegas could give them a a run for their money, but other than that, I don't think there's a team. I don't think there's another team that can touch them. I totally. Agree. I know Los Angeles can't. I know. I know the Kings are now. The Kings are. I agree. I think Vegas is the only one in the West that can really hang with them. But the thing is, is that the Avs, as long as they stay healthy, man, they got Nathan McKinnon, and Vegas doesn't have a star center like that. They have like defensemen in Petrangelo, who they just got, and they have a very, very good team up and down the lineup. But they don't have that superstar guy that Nathan McKinnon is. So yeah, that's where the Avs. Yeah. The part. The they have to healthy. stay. They have to stay healthy. They have to. That's the only. That's the only thing standing in the way. I think. Other than that, there's excuses. They're the favorite. Yeah, we can't. We can't afford any kind of injuries or any sickness. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, I, it's going to be interesting to see how they this 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 whole thing because when they did the playoffs, they had the bubble. You know, they had a, one in Toronto, and they had one in Edmonton. And all the teams were in two separate conferences, and they did not have one single case of COVID the entire time. Very well done by the NHL to pull that off. But you can't, dude. That was like two to three months, depending on how you how far you went in the playoffs. That you're going to be away from your families and all that shit, unless you're going to take them with you. That's that's 
pretty gnarly to stay in a bubble like that. So when you're tra- talking about like an entire hockey season, yeah, that's all. for six months or however. But but then again, a lot of them are away from their families for six months, though, aren't they? No, I mean they'll have homestands, man. I mean it's like let's say you play for the Ducks, okay? You live in Anaheim or Orange County somewhere or Newport Beach or whatever. Your family lives there. You have homestands to where you're there for like a week to two weeks playing home games, and then you go on the road for a couple weeks. It's totally different than like I'm going to be gone for three months. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and it, it but it needs to be done. I mean, they can take they can take their family with them, but I mean, I mean, it's right now with the COVID situation. The kids are not going to school anyways. They're doing all of their stuff online or they're doing Zoom. And they can do that on the road anywhere. So I would think that a lot of these hockey players are going to take their families with them so that their families will be in the bubbles as well so they can still be together you know, for, for the time while they're on the road. So, so at least the husband and wife, you know, they, you know, they can be together. It sounds, it's easier said than done for sure, man, because it's just like there's so many things like you're going to have to get somebody to watch your house for you, look after your animals, depending on whatever your circumstances are. Like, but most of those hockey players, most of those hockey players are extremely rich. So yeah, they're, but here's another thing, though, dude. Like, this is where there's there's been problems with the NHL. Like, I guess they're... Um, they're, I think they said 56 games was the plan. And it's normally 82 games. So when you sign, let's say you sign a million-dollar contract, okay, you get paid every other week like most jobs in the NHL. You don't get that million dollars like right out of the gate. You get paid every other week for the entire year, and that, that entire year will give you that million dollars. And there obviously will be taxes taken out of it as well. So – if that now, if you're if, if you're like one of the like all star players, you're making a shit ton of money. It's not as big of a concern. But if you're like a low end money guy and you like bought a house and now you have a mortgage and like you were banking on what you signed your contract for and now you're only playing fifty six games instead of eighty two, you're not getting that whole million. You're gonna get like sixty five, you know, whatever, like six hundred and fifty thousand, something like that. So it now it fucks your whole game up. So a lot of players are kind of like I think stressing. Just I know that they make a lot of money, but at the same time, like they did also have like house investments and car investments and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. But I would hope that they would be. They would. They, I think a lot of them look at it like, all right, you know, this is. I think they all. I think they they realized that there was gonna be. What a lot of them have already had their contract. They've been in their contract for over a year. Yeah, but they're. they're yeah, but they're, they they're, don't sign a one year contract. They sign a what a four year contract, right? Well, well, it's a, all contracts are different, but like how how many years but it doesn't matter like what i'm saying is like you're only playing 56 games instead of 82 you're not going to get paid that entire contract yeah unless the nhl is if you're making 10 million bucks for the all-stars that makes 10 million dollars or something like that 
you don't really care. But if you're a guy that's like making seven hundred and fifty thousand or something like that, you know, like you just have a loft, you don't even have a house, you know, and you bought something or whatever, and it's all this COVID stuff, and like, yeah, I mean, it's like first world problems for sure. But at the same time, it's like you do make plans based on a, an agreement and a, a contract that you sign. So if you're going to play less games, you're not going to get paid as much. I didn't know if you knew this too. In the playoffs, you don't get paid for that. There, you you get paid for the regular season, but not the playoffs. No, I did not know that. I thought you, as long as they were playing hockey, I thought they got paid. Nope. They they sign a contract year to year, and what you make in every single year, um, plus bonuses, however those work, however you put in your contract, they get paid within the 82-game season. Once you get to the playoffs, it's just the playoffs. There's no – you don't – you get both. But they don't get a bonus if they win the, the playoff, if they win the Stanley Cup? There are bonuses, yes. But they, but they don't pay you per game like they do in the regular season. Yeah. But if they're like, hey, if you lead the NHL playoffs in scoring, let's say, we're going to give you a you know $250,000 signing bonus or something. You know what I mean? Like the, they, they do stuff like that. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of it. Yeah, but I, I thought I, – I I thought they were signed to more than a one-year contract. I thought they were – I thought players, players like Gretzky, I know that he didn't sign a one-year contract. They he, they signed him to probably a two- or three-year contract when he was with the Kings because they wanted to keep him. And, but they, and they offered him a lot of money to be a King and to sign that contract because of the fact of who he was. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of contracts. I mean, the maximum contract you can sign is eight years, and a lot of the star players sign contracts like that, like Austin, like uh, Austin Matthews or I think maybe Korea. six years. Um, Connor McDavid, I think, was the full maximum eight. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of all star players they lock up for a long time. Yeah, because they want to keep that player because he's because he's good for the team. Yeah. But then if, if, if that person decides after that, that person can buy his contract out if he chooses to. I believe. Uh, the, the team can buy a player out, but the player, I think the player can hold out and say, like, I don't want to play for this team. And like, I demand a trade kind of like what happened with that team. Um, oh, I thought he could just pay his own car. I thought he could pay. Yeah, I thought he no. could. No, what happens is um, I don't know the exact percentage, but if you're a GM of a team and you have a player that is like you're really overpaying or whatever, you can buy them out, but you still have to pay them. I think it's like a third of what they were making. So you got to pay them for not doing anything. So only a third of their contract, though, not the whole entire thing. Right. Oh, well, that's to a lot of you them. buy out, like, a couple of guys a season. I, I don't think you can do much more than that. I, I don't know the specifics. Those hockey players are still making – most of them are making a lot of money anyways. I mean, I mean if I got bought out, I'd be bummed. But at the same time, I'd be like, I'm still getting a third of my contract, and I'm not doing anything to get paid. <laughs> yeah, but then you become a free agent and somebody – that other that's, team that's, – that's, that's, that's the other thing. It's crazy. Um the Avs a couple of years ago, 
they got um, our goalie Grubauer, and um, they got him with Brooks, Brooks Orpik, who had just won the Stanley Cup with the Washington um, Capitals, and they they basically threw him in the trade just for the purpose of getting Grubauer. The Avs just wanted Grubauer; they didn't want Brooks Orpik, and the Avs D were kind of set, and um, they bought him out immediately. So they traded for him, bought him out. And then the Capitals signed him for a million bucks, I think. So he got paid by the Abs for buying him out, a third of his contract, and then turned around and signed right back with the team that just traded him for a million bucks. So he's getting paid by one team for doing nothing, and he's getting paid by the, his former team. It was, it was just funny how that kind of worked out. I think I got my mouth right on that. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that, that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right, where are we at here? Let's see where we're at on our list. Listener callers. First time listener, last time caller. All right. Um, uh, nope. These don't apply. These are not applicable. What was your profession and how did you choose it? I don't want to talk about this shit right now. All right, let's move on. If you could have any other profession, what would it have been? And why was it why wasn't it your first choice? Um comedy bud. I would love to have been a stand But it also sounds terrible. I I I would have loved to be yeah, I, well I would have loved to be I would have actually loved to be an actor and be in front of the camera and not behind it. Yeah, I'm a behind the camera kind of Because I, I think it I think it would it would be awesome to, you know, be part be a, be in a movie. All right. Well, let's see here. Um what accomplishments were you were uh, were you what the fuck were you the most proud of? Uh, accomplishment. I mean, I want to say marrying my wife, but I don't really think that's like an accomplishment. I think it was just a, a really good life decision. <laughs> I'd say accomplishments is something like you don't get an award for marrying someone. That's why I didn't think of it like that. But, um, but yeah, she's the best thing I've ever done. Um, I would say, man, um, I would say when I when I wrote those um, those songs for Maven when I was like 20 years old, and I this is when we had like MySpace back then, and um. I remember that disaster. Yeah. Um, I was, like, hitting up people, like, left and right with bands that sounded similar like mine. It was, like, post-hardcore kind of emo shit. And um, just saying, hey, I see that you like this band. Check out my band if you get a sec. Thanks a lot, kind of thing. And I had two people in the span of a month tell me that the lyrics to the song, like, kept them from suicide. And I, that's when, I, like, art kind of changed for me where I realized that, like, 
you can do a lot of really special things that can help a lot of people. And you'll, even if you never even meet them, it's super fucking cool that that's a thing, you know, and it totally changed my mindset. And I think that's how, whether, I don't know how like emo they were being, how genuine that sentiment was or, you know, but if they really were like struggling with suicide and a song that I wrote, like kept them from it, like that's pretty fucking cool. And I, I would say that's that's one of the biggest accomplishments I would have to say for me. Um, the other thing too is directing my first TV commercial. That was insane. Uh, having to work with people like there's like 30 people casting crew on set, and I was working with kids. And I'm telling you, any directors out there that are gonna, you know, do any like want to pursue <laughs> directing. Be careful with kids. One thing that one, I'll tell you a story. Um, when we were on set, these kids never acted before, too, mind you. And this was my first time directing something. And every single person, cast and crew, had been doing their jobs longer than I've been directing. It's my first directing gig, so I was nervous, dude. I got like one hour of sleep, and um, and yeah, like. A really good tip that totally worked for me. A, I learned this from Steven Spielberg, not personally, but like on Inside the Actor Studio. He was saying that, like, when you work with kids, you talk to them like they're adults. You don't treat them like kids because then now you're the authority. You're, like, the grown-up now, you know? So it's, they feel more like a peer and they're, like, more free when you treat them just like a peer, not a kid, you know? So that's one thing I did that really worked. Um, the thing is, is that when you're working with people that are not used to being in front of the camera, when that camera turns on and they know it's on, they act differently. I don't mean act like in acting. I mean like they just, they're aware the camera's on. So I thought about it and I was like, you know what? These kids have never been in front of the camera. There's four girls and they needed to run over to the table where they were going to eat for um, a birthday party or whatever. So I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I went over to my my cinematographer and I was like, all right, dude, these kids, once they know that camera's rolling, they're acting like they know the camera's rolling and they're not natural. So how about this? I'm going to tell them we're going to rehearse it twice. I want you to shoot the whole thing. I'm going to tell them that we're just, he's going to, our our DP is going to be like practicing his camera movements. You guys are going to be rehearsing and then we're going to shoot. So they didn't realize we were rolling. And, dude, I got it on the first take. Super, super good advice for any director that works with kids. I'm not saying you should manipulate your actors. I'm never going to say that. That's not cool to do. But with kids, um, if they don't know the camera's rolling, they're sometimes a little bit more natural, especially if they're used to being in front of a camera. Sounds awesome. Yeah, that was a stressful day, but it, it ended up being a really, really good experience, and I learned a hell of a lot from it. It's an interesting thing, man, like, directing. Because, you know, you like, you, you watch these amazing movies, and you see how unbelievably done they, they're executed. Um, but when you're working on a set with, a bunch of different personalities. There's so many things that go into it. It's so exhausting. I mean, you're doing 16 hours and like, 
this person has drama with this person and you, now you're like questioning how you put together your team and it's 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 really I've been very very fortunate to work with a lot of awesome people. I miss it a lot, man. COVID sucks. Go fuck yourself, COVID. <laughs> I cheers to that one. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, man, I miss it. I miss it a lot. It's been cool seeing you get into writing. Yeah, and it's been a blessing. It's it, it's you know. I think it's one of the best things I ever did. Except for, and this is going to sound cheesy, but I had a I had a girlfriend for over 20 years, and she was the best thing that ever happened to me. Seriously. Besides having the, my, the best parents I've ever had. Yeah. Except for my mother being kind of goofy. Yeah, whatever. I love my mother. I love my father. And they're, they're the best parents that, you know, a young man could have. They they went through. They they absolutely put up with a lot of crap for me, being a a you know a special child, which I, I'm very special. Um, but but I had a girlfriend for over 20 years who had a disability, and but she was there for me through everything, and. Even, even, even at her worst moment, she would still stick by me. She was, it was such a blessing to have her in my life. And, and well, I, I still, really yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. Cheer up another one. All right, where are we at here? We are at for five till. So, um, um. Do you ever own a pager? Yes. Yeah, I did too. Mine was purple and see-through. Because I was dog like Mine was just a see-through. Yeah, you're dumb like that. All right, so. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, moving on over here. Let's see. All right. The deluxe apartment in the sky. Um, Run DMC covered what Aerosmith song in 1986? I know this. Wait a second. Run DMC? Yeah, an Aerosmith song. Uh, I know this, dude. He played it like hockey games and shit. I can't. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I don't know. Ugh. Oh, these don't have the answers, so. <laughs> um, which American actor joined New Kids on the Block as a 13-year-old before quitting the band a few months later? Uh, 
I don't know. I used to like New Kids on the Block, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm glad that I don't know. <laughs> I feel good about myself that I don't know. These questions suck. All right, we're going to do one last one. All right, let's see here. In November 2016, the Mannequin Challenge became a viral sensation on social media. What song accompanied the challenge? I don't don't care. I don't don't know. These are all pop shits, man. All right, I'm going to try it. For the listener's sake, I'm going to rock up one more. Here, let's go. At the... All right. What is the first... What is the first stuff that you ever created? What? 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 Dude, it says, what is the first the hat that you ever created? Huh? I have no idea what that means. I don't either. Fuck this website. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. All right. We're going with... Um, Dendies. All right. Um, hey, I have one for you that you, you probably you may not know. What? Who did Hulk Hogan body slam in WrestleMania 2? Uh, Andre the Giant. How the heck did you know that? Because those are the only two wrestlers I know of. <laughs> well, yeah, and that, that, that slam was heard around the world. Because, no, it wasn't Andre. Yeah, it was Andre the Giant. He was a big man. Oh, yeah. Really he big man. Yeah, and he was, he was a soft was giant, too. He was a complete legend. And he was a soft-hearted giant. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. All right, bud. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for shooting the bits this, uh, this week. So, uh, I'm Wizzo. I'm Jay. Party on. See you guys next time. Take it easy.